everyone. Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle. On today's episode, I am going to be diving into your listener questions. And there have been many to choose from, which I'm so, so grateful for. If you have a burning ask for me and you keep hitting my Instagram DMs, I'll give you a little spoiler alert. This is the guaranteed way <laughs> for me to answer your question. All you've got to do is click on over to the show notes and click leave me a voice message. There, I will get a beautiful audio recording of your voice and your question, which I will then be able to answer on upcoming episodes of the show. If you are an avid hurdler, you know that I typically answer at least one in every episode of Five Minute Friday, but I love to do these entire listener queue episodes every now and again. So the more that come in there, the better. And of course, I love to help you in whatever way that I can. I'm gonna keep this intro short and sweet this week, but I do want to say, make sure you are following along with Hurdle over on Instagram at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you have yet to do so, and I know I say this all the time, but it really, it does make a big difference with the way that the show gets featured in Apple Podcasts. If you could just take a second and rate and review the show, write something lovely in there and I will be forever, forever grateful for you. And that is it for now. I'm going to jump right into your questions this week. With that, let's get to hurdling. Hi, Emily. My name is Elle. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I was leaving this message to ask. Um, I'm going out on my own and starting my own business in about a month. And I was just wondering, I've always worked with a ton of coworkers. I've been in person this whole pandemic. And this will be my first time working by myself. Does it ever get lonely? And how do you recommend building a support network around you? Um, do you have like a group of people that you can meet with to go over things if you have questions or need to bounce ideas off of anyone? Anyway, love the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Al. So to answer your question, yes, <laughs> working for yourself can definitely feel lonely at times. I, at this point, have definitely gotten into a groove of sorts where I have learned how to negate those feelings the best I can as I go about my day to day. So my tips for that is if you can, try to at least find one to two people that you're going to interact with during your work day and figure out when that interaction can actually really serve you. So for me, I know that I am most productive on my own during the morning. I like to get my feet under me, feel like I have a hold on the day. Then once the afternoon time block comes around, I make sure to take my meetings in the afternoon. That's when I'm feeling a little less focused but can still give some energy to something, and that energy is best spent on others. Also, to combat that loneliness, I would say take a step back and find the gratitude in this idea that working for yourself has perks as well as what can be seen to some 
this loneliness as a negative. Perks being flexibility. I'll never forget growing up, my father owns his own advertising and marketing company, and he used to work in the center of town, and he was his own boss. And so if there was ever something that was going on with me when I was a teenager or if there was a reason that I needed him, he was able to be flexible in his schedule that maybe someone who reports to someone else for a nine to five couldn't be. So take a step back. Find the gratitude in your new way of working and do some little things for yourself throughout the day to stave off this loneliness. Aside from the interacting with the other people that first tip, find little things that bring you joy, just you in your space. Maybe that is taking a break to write a little bit or perhaps getting up and taking a walk around the block. Look for little bits of sunshine to make the day a little less lonely and feel a little bit more joy. Hi, Emily. My question is, if you had to choose one common nutrition myth to just eradicate somehow, um, which myth would you choose and why? Thanks. A nutrition myth. Hmm, This is a good question. I would say that the biggest thing that we are like preached growing up at times is that carbs are quote unquote bad carbs are not bad. In fact, it is essential that you get carbohydrates, especially if you are an active person. But if you're a person in general, carbohydrates are an important building block to a good nutrition plan. Carbs stimulate what's called muscle protein synthesis, which is just so important, so, so important to improve recovery and then in turn enhance the performance during your next workout. Now, rule of thumb here, it is super important. You don't want to push it further than two hours after your workout to get in some of that essential post-sweat nutrition. And if you get in the carbs during that window, then your body will be better off in the recovery phase. Hi, Emily. It's Sasha. Um, I live in Brooklyn. I look forward to your podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It totally motivates me, gets me through the day. I'm totally looking forward to you moving to Brooklyn and hopefully seeing you run in Prospect Park. Um, My question is, how did you train for your first marathon, not only physically, but mentally? Because I definitely don't have much running experience, but I'm looking forward to accomplishing that goal soon. Let me know. Thanks. Really good question. So my marathon training strategy has completely changed from the time I ran my first marathon, full marathon, nine marathons ago, to leading up to the virtual New York marathon that I ran at the end of 2020. And so how it has changed is during the first training cycle ever, I was in college, had a very different lifestyle, but I was literally just following a plan that I found on the internet. I'm sure y'all have heard of this guy before, good old Hal Higdon. That is what I followed. So in the plan that I followed, which was completely for beginners, I believe it was a 16-week plan, and I did not diversify the type of running that I was doing whatsoever. So it was super basic. I believe it would have a week that looked like run four miles, run six miles, run four miles, take a day off, do a long run, run again. Like it wasn't anything super snazzy here. Now, as the time has gone on, 
I have integrated a lot of different types of running into my regular routine. And I've talked about the different types of running on the show before. I'll link to that episode in the show notes. What I want to say here is that you've got to find the right plan that works for you. And if you have the means, I would highly suggest that you reach out to a coach on a one-on-one basis to get a better idea of what that could look like. Even if this coach just gives you a plan and you don't work with them through the extent of your training journey, perhaps they can recommend a plan that fits where you are at with your body right now. Whatever the case may be, that extra insight is going to be super valuable for you as you're about to take your body through a really intense process. On the mental side of things, I mean, goodness, my mindset toward marathoning and running has changed so much, large in part because of the takeaways that I've had from doing these crazy events, right? When I went into my first marathon, I truly didn't know what to expect. But that process and then the marathons subsequent to that, each of them came with all of their own individual lessons and moments that I take with me now on each and every run. I would encourage you from the mental pep talk side of things to certainly have a few different models mantras or things that you say to yourself when the going gets hard so that you can lean into those sayings and push yourself when things are just not feeling super stellar. And know this, whether you are a total beginner or a veteran runner, you are going to have moments where you wonder for just a second, like, am I doing this? Am I doing this well? Is this okay? Is this enough? (laughs) We've all been there. Having these mantras, having these reinforcing things that you say to yourself will make a world of difference when that little voice pops into your head. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Element. Here's the deal. I have been running for over 10 years now, let's say 13 years. And during this journey of running, (laughs) I have tried so many different types of electrolyte beverages. I can say without a doubt that Element is one of my all time favorites. I am a seriously salty sweater. Basically, this means that it is super important for all of us, but specifically for me to make sure that I am consuming electrolytes when I am on the move. And Element has got me covered. It is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. The formula is super high caliber. It's plant-based with no sugar, fillers, gluten, or sketchy ingredients. And plus, it tastes great. Lately, I am on a kick with the citrus salt, but they have different flavors for every style. I was pleasantly surprised by the chocolate salt, actually. You have got to try this for yourself. They are offering Hurdle listeners a free Element sample pack, which includes eight packets of Element for only $5 shipping. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get yours today. No code necessary. Again, that is drinkelement.com slash hurdle to get your free sample pack today. Hi, Emily. My name is Joey, and I've been listening to Hurdle pretty much religiously since your Kirsty Godso episode like over a year ago. And my question is, after you have gone through a Hurdle and you learn 
you know, some kind of lesson or something to keep you going. What is your best advice on keeping that lesson and keeping that hurdle in the forefront of your mind so that it's not just a one and done lesson, but something that is really advising how you continue going through life so you don't really find yourself going through the same problem or the same hurdle again? Would love to hear your insight. Thank you. So the funny thing about life is that we can go through these tough hurdle moments and learn lessons from them, but there are so many things that are just completely uncontrollable that all we can do is the best we can with what we have. So you can learn from a hurdle, like you can learn from getting let go from your job, but those learnings may not guarantee that you're going to not ever get let go from a job ever again. What they will do, however, is help you navigate if you were to hit a similar hurdle going forward. So, I mean, the job layoff example is a great example because that happened to me twice. And the first time I got let go from my job, it was I mean, both times were devastating, but the first time was especially devastating because I was a, I think I was 25 at the time, maybe. I was 25. I had just moved into an apartment on my own and I had no clue what I was supposed to do. I needed to make money. I needed to figure it out. And so I just started throwing like the spaghetti analogy, spaghetti at the wall and hoping different things would stick. And then five or six days later, I ended up at Self Magazine as their fitness editor. Fast forward then a year later when self folded and I found myself let go again, I was able to calmly approach a similar hurdle with the lessons that I had from the first go around. Understanding and not getting as mad or scared or wrapped up or let my anxiety flare as much, knowing that I conquered it once and I was going to figure out how to do it again. Now, this doesn't mean that all of the same strategies are going to work time after time for every hurdle that you approach. But what this means is that you know that you have the tools now to be in control of how you react to an unpredictable circumstance. So reach for that. Be proud of you knowing that, yes, you can do hard things and that you got through them the last time and you'll get through them this time as well. Hi, Emily. I hope you're having a great day. My question is, would you describe your career journey thus far as linear or nonlinear? And what advice would you give to someone who's a liberal arts major who's currently on a nonlinear career path? Thank you so much. You know, it's interesting because at first I was about to say that my career path has been non-linear, but I truly do feel as though every single thing that I have done in my career has empowered me to get to where I am today. And a lot of it has built off of one another. So while I started as an editorial intern out of college, I moved to be an associate editor. I then transitioned to be an assistant editor and an associate editor. I moved up to being a regular editor. And then, as I said before, I was an editor at Self. But here now, a podcaster, my own boss, I never expected that this would be, you know, the next step in the stepladder, so to speak. But so many of the tools that 
that I learned and the skills that I acquired during all of those years working for someone else, they empower me to show up every day and work for myself even better. I would say that even if you're jumping from one industry to the next, you're taking the lessons that you've learned in each job so that you can show up and be better as time goes on. My advice, if you're not in a conventional linear career path, would be just to believe in you and don't be afraid to ask questions. That is so, so important. Sometimes we got to put our ego aside to be able to do a better job. There's always going to be someone that is smarter than you, that may do something better than you. And hey, that's cool. Let your ego go, ask the hard questions, and you will be grateful for it. Hi, Emily. I love, love, love everything you do with your Hurdle podcast. Thank you so much for always interviewing such amazing people and giving us so much great advice through all of it. Um, I'm wondering if you could give some feedback on your favorite shoes to run outdoors in more extreme weather conditions, like massive amounts of rain or snow. Um, And then also your favorite shoes to run on a treadmill with. Um, Thanks again. Hope you have a great day. Uh, Asking me to pick favorites is a hard, hard thing. Uh, In terms of weather, I have one sneaker I lean into 99.9% of the time when it's raining. That is the Nike Pegasus Shield. It's got a water repellent upper, which really, really helps the foot stay dry. And if you don't already size up a half size in your running shoes, I would highly encourage you just to try it. That's because when you are running and your foot is constantly hitting the ground, as you can imagine, with time, that motion is going to cause your foot to swell. So buying your sneakers a half size up will give your foot the room it needs to accommodate that during your activity. Also, you asked about shoes that I run on the treadmill with. I mean, God, this runs the gamut. Lately, I have been running a lot on the tread in my Nike Pegasus 37. Also a big fan of the Brooks Ghost. The New Balance 890 is one of my favorites. And the New Balance Fuel Cell Rebel V2 is 100% my go-to as of late. For more sneaker recs, I'm going to link to the weekly hurdle blog post that I did where I chatted you through all of the shoes in my current regular rotation. So definitely check that out. Hi, Emily. This is Kara from Kansas City. I've been listening to you for a few years now, and I think I've listened to every episode. I really appreciate all of the content you put out there. So being from the Midwest, I've only been to New York once about four years ago, and I'd love to travel again once COVID has subsided slightly and especially visit New York. I had such a great time when I did visit. So um, being an experienced New Yorker, I'd love to know a few things from you. One, what's the best time to come visit? Two, where should I go or something I should eat? And three, If I'm there, where's the best place to go for a great run? Thanks so much. Oh, love a New York tourist. (laughs) So best time of year to come to New York. I think that there's nothing like the fall in New York, specifically like the very end of September, early October. That's my favorite time here in the city. But also 
there's so many special moments that you can find year-round. So really, it's totally up to your travel schedule. If you come in the summer, the city can be electric. Everyone is out. The parks are popping. It's so good. If you come in the winter, you get so much of the magic that comes with the holidays and being in New York, the ice skating, the, the seasonal winter markets, all that stuff is really great. And then, of course, I mean, the weather in the spring is delightful as well. So as spoken like a true New Yorker, I would recommend the fall, but all year here is absolutely great. As for what to eat, no brainer. I'm going to tell you to either go to Bar Primi and get the penne bolognese or go to Emily. There are a few locations either in the West Village or Brooklyn. They also have Emmy Squared in Williamsburg and the Upper East Side and the Lower East Side. Go to one of those and order the MVP or the Colony if you like pepperoni and a little bit of kick. And last part of this question, you're going running in Central Park, game, set, match. That's all the questions I'm going to tackle for this installment of Listener Questions Ask Emily. If you have more questions for me, and I hope that you do because I love answering these, head on over to the show notes and click leave me a voice message. As you can hear from all the wonderful hurdlers, it is super easy and I would love to answer your question on the show. Make sure you're following over at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 